Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode. I'm your boy, Bally Singh, also known as Put A Singh On It. And I'm your boy, Mike Obel. To get involved with this week's show and comment on the stories you hear, please use hashtag SNSE on Twitter. What a week it's been. Now our long-time listeners will know that we never really shy away from speaking about the week's news. We're usually more than happy to give out unfiltered comments, banter, shade and comedy to whatever's going on, hoping to just give our listeners some light comic relief as an escape. However, this week, we feel it's not our place to speak up. This week, we want to amplify black voices, black experiences and black stories. This week, we want to pass the mic. This week, it's over to you. Hi, my name's Ashton. I'm a 26-year-old mixed-race gamer living in London. Um, so I just want to start by saying rest in power to George Floyd and Benny Majinga. I also want to say that all Black Lives Matter, including those of the LGBTQ plus community, and if you don't support the community, you don't and cannot support Black Lives Matter, period. I also want to say a huge thank you to Bally and Mike for giving black people a platform for their voices to be heard. I appreciate you guys. Uh, growing up, I had multiple struggles. Uh, the first being black and understanding my black identity and dealing with the fact that we live in a world full of people who hate me just for the colour of my skin. And the second, being gay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about how both of these things intersect and how I managed to sort of navigate through life. Um, my earliest memory of racism was actually in the school system. So now keep in mind, at the time, I never realised just how racist my experiences were until I took the time to reflect on them when I was older. So looking back, I remember being treated differently, whether it came to harshness of punishments or seeing other kids get away with shit that I never would have been able to. Um, I'm going to talk about one specific time, actually, which sounds insane, but I promise you this legitimately happened to me. Um, I was in the playground with my white friend and I said to her, what's up, my nigger? Some little rat snitched on me and I'd get suspended for two weeks for racism but imagine me a black kid getting suspended for calling a white girl nigger and having it branded as racism so now here's where it gets more fucked up these two white boys were calling me reggin for a whole year and then one day they told me to um write it down and read it backwards um, and it said it, it spelled out nigger so obviously i told the teachers you know what these pricks did but they, this is what they actually said to me oh that actually weren't saying it, so there's nothing we can do. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, I've just recently been suspended for racism, yet when I was actually the victim of racism, nothing was done. Um, so yeah, now being like being gay added another layer to the struggle because often the people who would come to my side and defend the racism were also the people who would condemn me for being gay. So I had to really question my identity a lot and I felt ostracized from everyone. And I spent about a year suffering alone, hating myself, isolating from people, ruining relationships because of this identity crisis. And then came another problem when I got a bit older. Um, that was being a black gay man in the gay community. The gay community has its own separate issue with racism. So now I found myself in a reverse situation where those who would support and defend my sexuality would also potentially be people who were racist. Um, so what I've done, I've start to surround myself with people who are neither racist or homophobic, obviously. Um, 
and happily existing with a support net made up of incredible people who I love and yeah, they're amazing. And the Black Lives Matter report, the Black Lives Matter movement is so important at this time. You know, anti-blackness is a global issue. It may be more prevalent in other countries, but it still exists in England. Like here's just, it's here, it's just much more insidious than it is blatant and outright. Um, you have like small little digs and comments, people's willful ignorance and white people just refusing to acknowledge its existence or their own privilege. Um, you know, the world is listening right now. It's amazing, but I just want people to realize that supporting Black Lives Matter means that you support all black lives and not leaving some of us out. You know, because that, that's actually more akin to white supremacy. You can't pick and choose which black people you care about. Either all black lives matter or none of us do. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, so before I introduce myself, I just wanted to thank Saturday Night Side Eye for allowing their platform to be used to elevate black voices and allowing our lived experiences to be heard. Shout out to Bally and Mike. We see you. We appreciate you. Thank you. Okay, so my name is Betty. I'm 28 and I work in recruitment for a leading bank. Black Lives Matter movement to me essentially means speaking out against police brutality and systemic racism. We ultimately just want police to stop fucking killing us and getting away with it. We are tired, tired of the trauma caused in our day-to-day -day lives purely because of the colour of our skin. As a black queer woman, I actually wanted to touch on a few other points. I think it's so, so key, so key to stress the importance of intersectionality. Being black, being gay, being a woman, my whole entire existence is literally one big act of rebellion. Non-black people, you need to do better. I didn't say white in this case because there was a lot of racism in POC and ethnic minority groups too. However, I'm not naive to the fact that black people need to do better too. It's sad that there's so much homophobia within the black community. It literally burns my soul. There've been times where I've been out with my girlfriend holding hands and we get stopped to be asked, what are we doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? And it's always from black men, always from black men. And it hurts because the black man is who we're supposed to go to to feel safe, to feel protected, to not feel alone. How can I experience racism from the white man and then homophobia from the black man? Misogyny from men in general. Misogynoir, if you want to go deeper. Black people don't come in one generic form multiplied by millions. We are multifaceted. We do exist in different forms. Any black person that is homophobic and or transphobic is literally the weakest link. The weakest link in the fight for black liberation. It's so, so frustrating. Yes, black lives matter. Of course they matter. But black trans lives matter too. Black gay lives matter too. You can't be screaming black lives matter and then be homophobic and be transphobic. Tony McDade fucking matters. Nina Pop matters. Remember their names too. Oh, uh, navigating life as a black woman in a predominantly white area was tough. Really tough. Um, I was actually the only black girl in my year group, which in itself had a lot of challenges. Man, when I said that out loud, 
It actually sounds mad. There was um, there was a mixed race girl in the year below me and another in the year above me. But no one that actually looked like me. The white standard of beauty had actually been filtered down to not only how I felt about myself, but also how... Also to those who I was attracted to, I guess. And I guess both are essentially interlinked. I didn't find myself attractive. I didn't like how dark my skin was. I didn't like how wide my nose was, how thick my lips were. Though I literally just sought the opposite in lovers. My type was white. <laughs> white, solely white, only white, just white. Oh, this sounds crazy. Um, I remember once I started college and that's when I had my first set of black friends. And they actually challenged me on it. And I didn't understand why it was such an issue. I'd always be like, relax, it's just a preference. Am I not allowed to have a preference? What's the big deal? Black girls are just my type. And uh -uh, red flag, problematic. <laughs> um, also speaking about college, my sociology teacher actually said, and I remember this so clearly, and it's actually become one of my favourite quotes, actually. She was like, oh, you're black, female and gay. You must like a challenge. And I was like, huh, bitch, what? I literally just stared blankly. I didn't get it. Didn't quite get it. I was just like, huh? <laughs> but it fucking makes sense now. That's for sure. There was, um, it was actually a turning point for me. I reckon it was about two to three years ago now where I started literally just sitting myself down and unpacking and, and learning everything I was taught. I was questioning my choices and the reasons for choosing them. And I realised how problematic those views were. I found myself. Although I use that term loosely because I believe finding yourself is a never-ending journey. There's no final destination. I love myself now, which in turn meant I started being attracted to people who look like me, who walk similar paths to me. I love how dark my skin is. I love that I have Jackson 5 nostrils. <laughs> I love how big my lips are. And guess what? I fucking love black women. I started dating solely black women and it was so weird for me. It was weird not having to explain things. It was weird feeling completely myself. It was weird because I no longer had to hold back. It was weird because we could bust jokes at our cultural upbringings and get it. It was weird because they understood. I'm in love with a strong, beautiful black woman and I can't wait to have her cute little black babies. Representation is so, so important and there isn't enough of it. Obviously, I'm not naive. It definitely is better than it has been, but it's nowhere, nowhere near where it should be. Instagram, for me, has been a lifesaver. I can't even lie. I've become a part of a online community consisting of other queer black people. They've introduced me to a whole new side of life that I wasn't aware of. I've met great people. I've learned new things. I've just realised that I'm not alone. This journey of self-love and self-acceptance, self-acceptance, sorry, is great. It's amazing. It's fucking amazing. I would recommend 10 out of 10 on TripAdvisor. Go try it. Obviously, I'm still learning. I'm still growing, but I'm enjoying the journey. It obviously would be made so much easier, however, if racism wasn't something I had to contend with. The microaggressions in the workplace, the colorism, the homophobia... It is tiring. I am tired, my G, tired. Uh, just a message for any white listeners. 
not being a fan of racism isn't enough. You have to be actively anti-racist. Challenge your families, challenge people in your workplace. Racists actually feel more comfortable saying things around you, so call them out. Thank you for taking time to listen to my lived experience. Peace, love and light. My name is Kissy. I am 29. I am a senior policy advisor. I am a black woman. The Black Lives Matter movement means so much to me. It means so much to my people. Um, quite simply because we want to be free. And not the type of freedom where we're finally out of the chains, the type of freedom where we are respected, we are valued, we are appreciated, and we are equal. Where we are no longer mistreated, discriminated against, and killed. Whilst murderers walk free with no consequences because there's no regard for our lives. Black lives matter. I almost didn't send this into the show today. Um, I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to deliver my words or write anything down or even sit in any more of the suffering because this week and the last two weeks has just been really, really hard, really, really difficult. And it's, and it's all stuff that we've known. It's all stuff that we live with every single day. But to see it all coming to the forefront and I really do feel like this is the first time where there is going to be some change and having said that I felt like it was important to stand up and to rise and do more so I want to thank Bali and Mike for the opportunity to speak on this and to share thank you so much for using your platform I love you guys um so I had to remind myself it isn't about saying much. It is about saying something. Doing something, no matter how small. If everyone felt compelled enough to say or do something, we would not still have to say, chant, scream the words Black Lives Matter. But sadly, some people do not care enough. Some people do not care about this fight because it doesn't impact them. So they pretend it does not exist. They turn a blind eye because it's easier or worse, it's beneficial. And the worst, some people don't ignore it. They actively are a part of it. They hate black people. They hate us. This fight has been happening to my people for 400 years. So that tells me the people today who are inflicting so much pain on us, hating us, discriminating against us, mistreating us, killing us. They don't even understand why they're not thinking they just do. It's embedded in them. This is why it's not enough to just not be racist. This is why you have to be anti-racist. I can say life is hard enough. It is. It's full of challenges to overcome at any given moment. So why are we still fighting to be heard, seen, to be equal, to live? Why were we ever? 
When we leave the house and our parents tell us be safe, they mean be careful, be aware, work hard because of the color of our skin. 15 years ago, I was in high school when me and my friends were told we can no longer wear braids to school. <laughs> Confused, genuinely. I guess I hadn't been paying attention enough. You could say this is when I woke up and I began living in the real world where I am judged and mistreated because of the color of my skin. Fast forward, I'm 29 and I've been called aggressive more times than I can count before I've even opened my mouth. The workplace where comments like, I'm sure you can tell us about hip hop with your hip hop knowledge, kissy. <laughs> when I first met you, I found you intimidating. Do you have to wear African makeup? You sent that email where you were clearly quite angry. This is 2018, 2019, 2020. When I got my biggest promotion of my career so far, I was met with constant criticism from my director. While I would watch some of my white counterparts not even try yet receive so much praise. I would be told I need to lift my language, whatever that means. I was told that my climb up the ladder was quite quick. I looked at her and smiled and said, thanks. <laughs> Did I know it wasn't a compliment? <laughs> yes, but I'm gonna respond like it is because you're damn right I'm here and I have a right to be here and I worked my butt off. She looked at me and said, hmm. The months that came after that, she spent all her time undermining my abilities and building a case that I do not perform at my current grade. How I won? I worked my ass off even more. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's winning or overcoming. I was in the office till 10, 11 p.m. sometimes, 1 a.m. Even though I had already worked so hard for a seat at this table, why am I fighting to keep my seat at this table? Our ancestors fought so hard for freedom, yet we are still fighting to be free. I am almost always the only black woman in the room. I have been ignored in a room full of white middle-class people until they see me approach the seats for the speakers. Only then am I acknowledged, but with shock. You're the guest speaker. Oh, do I matter now? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, you are here to listen to me. So a hi about an hour ago would have been nice. I've been pushed by non-black security at a bar after trying to resolve a situation, politely. <laughs> and when the white police officer arrives, after viewing the footage, he says he's happy with what he saw. Like a real mama's girl, I told my mum what happened. No mention of the bar I was at, mind you. And she came home the next day <laughs> and told me he's been fired. I am laughing now because you could call that black girl magic. <laughs> we have to fight for ourselves, for each other, because who else does? My mum taught me to be strong because she had to. Smart, kind, tenacious and delicate. And to never give up in a world that works so hard to get us to throw in the towel.
it's really hard to live every day and not give in or give up. We've been silenced for far too long. We always have to go above and beyond to be accepted, to appear unthreatening simply because of the color of our skin. We have always taken the high road. We have always tried to drive the hate out with love, use our words, uphold our integrity. We smile. And yet we are still fighting. So basically, I just want everyone to do the right thing. Um, essentially, I would like to see change in my lifetime, real change. Let the need for the saying, chanting and screaming the words Black Lives Matter be no more. We shouldn't have to say this. We shouldn't have to chant it and we shouldn't have to scream. We deserve peace, love, equality, joy, success in abundance here and now. And we will have it. I'm sending so much love and comfort to my black brothers and sisters during this time and anyone that is fighting with and for us. I love you guys. God bless. My name is Kissy and I am a black woman. Hey guys, it's Yasmin, the owner of Le Jour LA, um, also known as Le Jour LA Boutique. Um, as well as Jackson's Crab Counter. And I'm located here in the States. Grew up in Los Angeles, California. And I just wanted to shed a little light on some of the things that have been happening here lately. Um, as you all know, we've had um, people from our community. Um, when I say our, I mean uh, the Black community. I am African-American. My family is from the States uh, and I've heard of all types of injustices happening. Um, my mother has been discriminated against as a darker skinned black woman um, or a darker skinned uh, black woman. Um, I, I fortunately have not come into contact with much discrimination on the more harsher end. However, I, I've had an incident where on a late night, I was pulled out of my car and searched illegally, not given a reason why, thrown in the back of a police car with my friend and asked, where did I hide the drugs? <laughs> and anyone who knows me knows that that's not even a part of my life. Um, while I was in the back of the, um, the sheriff car, the lady answered her phone and was like, oh, I had to pull this car over right quick. You know, so I did not get the badge number of that sheriff. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't do it because I didn't think anything would come about 
um, with me reporting it, they would just kind of like fan it off and be like, you know, it's, it's it's whatever, you know, she pulled you over. She must have had a reason to pull you over. And when I say they, I mean the police department, sheriff department, whoever, you know, I just think that um, it's, it, I, I, I just, my heart hurts for everyone and, and for my community. Um, I mean, like I said, everyone outside of my community as well, because I just feel like just basic necessities, just basic human rights, we should not have to fight for, you know? I believe that we should all be as equal as we are in the eyes of everyone. But unfortunately, we have a long lineage of people who have been taught to hate other people. And, um, you know, I think that with the movements that are uh, going on here lately, the Black Lives Matter um, movement, I I think it's a great thing. And um, what people don't understand, what a lot of people don't understand is when people say Black Lives Matter, they're not saying that all lives don't matter. What they're saying is we need to um, put a spotlight on Black lives because although we know all lives matter, some people tend to treat Black lives out of any life, whether it's Black or Brown, lives like they just don't matter which is why we have to protest for our rights you don't see american people or i mean i'm trying to be politically um, correct but white people in the streets having to march for basic basic necessity basic human rights you don't see that but still we're stuck doing this and then we're stuck with the people that say all lives matter we know this all arms matter, all legs matter, all bodies matter. But if there is a body in distress, you tend to that body more than you would any other body. So I just believe we need to, in our homes, teach our children the right way. And the right way is not to spread hate. We need to teach it in the school system we need to inform our people, but unfortunately our school system is run by the government. So it's going to be hard to implement stuff like that unless um, it's a private sector or, or college. Um, but I, I just wanted to say that um, I just hope there's change. I really hope there's change. I am Christian Essen, author, mentor, youth coach, and childcare practitioner. Also known as Cupid the King, performing and recording artist, also known as Daddy. The Black Lives Matter movement is so important to me because it's just time that there was justice for people. And it's great to see that people are actually starting to, I think people have, have always cared. But it's great to see that people are starting to show how much they care and say how much they care. Um, because only once we start having the conversations out loud do we start getting rid of things. Only once it becomes a problem to let these things happen, once it becomes a problem to let these things slide, that's when 
real change happens. I want to share my story, well, a small part of my story of oppression and I'm just going to get into it. It was it was in Wolverhampton City Centre when a DJ came out of a nightclub and started pretty much just putting his sister around and attacking his sister in the street because he didn't like what she was doing in the club. And two of the people I was with, my girlfriend and my sister, you know, were shouting at him. Um, but this is quite an irrelevant part of the story, but that that's the small beef that happened in town. She very quickly got into a taxi and went home. Within minutes, there were police cars pulling up to the scene where everything had already happened. Everyone was dispersing and, you know, walking away. And I was walking over to my cousin, who was literally just a few metres away from me. And police stopped me and asked me to go in the opposite direction. I said, you know, I'm just going over to my cousin over there. They said, no, you're going back that way. And we're just not listening to any explanation I was given. I took another step, not in the direction of the police, but in the direction of, you know, where I was moving towards my cousin. There was no conflict happening. And the CS gassed me from a very close distance. Um, The CS gassed me in my face. And then within seconds... I was up against a wall. They were punching me in my back, elbowing me in my chest. I was getting knees to the stomach and my sides. You know, I had had a few drinks and wasn't very steady on my feet. They could have very easily taken me down, just one of them, especially the fact that I couldn't see anything at this point as well. There was about four or five officers on me who took me to the floor and I feel like it was more to, you know, create a crowd around me so that people couldn't see exactly what was going on underneath but people could see um they took me to the floor my head was on the the curb and my, the rest of my body was in the road which means you know my neck was in a, a dangerous position we we know what happens when you know someone's head is on it on a curb and and their bodies are on the floor we've we've seen it we know stories about what's happened to people in the past. The police were on my back. They were punching me in my back even while I was on the floor with my hands cuffed behind my back. And they were still hitting me in my in my back, in my um, legs. My brother could see that my head was on, on the curb and he was asking them to move me, asking them to move me and they didn't. He pushed an officer off and then pushed me off the curb, which possibly saved my life. And... Even after this, which stemmed from nothing, they've then taken me into the car, still handcuffed, still unable to see. There's two police in the front of the car, one police officer in the back of the car, holding me with his thumb pushed into my head, just below my ear, with my face against the the window. There, There was nothing I could do. There was nothing I could do. There was nothing I could do when I was on the floor. There was nothing I could do when they had me handcuffed against the wall. There was nothing I could do while I was in the car. But he still got his hand, and it's a pressure point just underneath your ear that he had his thumb pushed into. And he was pushing me against the window. They then charged um, me with assault to a police officer, which is when it all really kind of hit the fan. 
they charged me with assault. They charged my brother with assault as he pushed, you know, one of the officers off me. And another cousin who was stood there with his hands in the air saying, I'm not, I'm not actually doing anything, just get off my cousin. But they wanted him to move. But he, he didn't touch anyone. They also um, had him, for, charged him with assault. It went to court. There was video footage from a nightclub um, which showed the assault. And still, when it went to court, we were found guilty of assaulting police officers. And we were charged with community service, um, which I obviously had the most. It was difficult. It was difficult because I was a new father. I was dealing with other struggles. It was literally one of the worst things that had happened. I was sometimes trying to attend community service and I might get there a minute late and you're not allowed in. You're not allowed in because you're late, but being late meant you had more hours. There were times when I just couldn't bring myself to go because of the injustice and you get more hours because you haven't turned up. There were times when I couldn't get a babysitter um, and his mum was at work um, or I couldn't get a babysitter at that time of the morning. You haven't turned up or you, you've, you can't change your date. You're not allowed to change your date for your hours and I get more hours. So this carried on happening um, until I kept going back to court. They kept giving me more hours. You haven't been attending. You've been turning up late. Going back to court, getting more hours and the depression increases. I'm going to rewind quickly just to say what the judge said on the day that he that he gave us the community service was that he found us guilty was there was clearly a use of drugs and alcohol from both parties. Now, for a judge to be allowed to say that both parties were intoxicated, he used the word intoxicated as well, and one party being the police and one party being a group of guys that were uptown, to say that we were both intoxicated when they were supposed to be doing a job. And he can say that and it's okay. And they still haven't had a conviction. They still have their jobs. Is disgusting and is injustice. The more hours that were added on, the more it became clear that I wasn't going to complete this community service and it was going to drag on. The third or fourth time I went to court, they says, you know, you've got option now. We can either give you more hours or you can spend the time in prison. Um, and for me, the depression wasn't going to go away. I wasn't going to start waking up all of a sudden and start turning up to community service, at least doing a couple of months in prison meant that I couldn't get away from it and I knew I couldn't get away from it either way. I then spent the time in prison again for not only a crime I didn't commit but a crime that was committed against me. I came out and I began to rebuild. I managed to spend time with my son and and I always have spent time with my son but I managed to also get a job and get back on 
you know, the straight and narrow and kind of get my head straight, get my head back in the game. But it's been difficult for me to share this story. But the the Black Lives Matter movement to me is about way more than some police officers assaulting, killing a black man, woman, child. It's about the system that allows the injustice. It's about the system that allows these things to happen and doesn't punish people for taking black lives. It doesn't punish people for assaulting black people, but instead punishes the victims. We still live in oppression. We still haven't got reparations. And these things don't just happen in the US. And I think the more that we can share that message and more that we can let people know that these things do happen over here and it's real and the effect that it has on us, the more that we can begin to see change, the more that people speak out, the more that people will realise that it's not an isolated problem. It's not just happening in one place, it's happening all over and it's it's still happening so um that said thank you for listening thank you ali for getting in touch thank you saturday saturday for dedicating this show to us thank you peace hi my name's rachel i'm 33 and i am a medical lab assistant um for the nhs um, I'm a mixed race and I'm just going to speak to you about um, Black Lives Matter movement, how I feel about it being a mixed race woman. Um, I am and always will be classed as a black woman. There's no ifs or buts about it. People aren't going to look at me and think, you know, she's mixed race, she gets a pass. No, I will be a black woman and I will stand up and fight for the cause because it is very important. All lives can't matter until black lives matter. I have two children. Um, I'm guardian for my niece as well. And one is more darker skinned than the other. They're still both mixed race. And I don't want them to have to, you know, go through racism. And, and that is why we are making a stand now. So hopefully there will be changes when they are older. I mean, I already see it now in my niece. She goes to a predominantly white school and because her hair she has afro hair and i have to keep interested in how beautiful her hair is but being different to everyone in her class they all have straight hair and things she feels like she has to be like them i've asked the school what do they do about black history months considering they do everything else chinese new year um diwali you know english history they don't do anything and I think it's very important because there is quite, um, you know, enough black children at the school for them to be teaching this. Um, but even if there wasn't, I still think it's very, very important to know, you know, uh, Mary Seacole, um, Martin Luther King, Huey Newton, civil rights movement, all of this stuff. Is Rosa Parks, you know, and then all the great inventors, you know, like who invented the traffic lights? A black one. All these kind of things it is important. And they said that if I want to come into the school and, you know, talk about, um, you know, 
black excellence and things like that i can do that and which i feel is a bit of a shame because i think that they need to be a bit more prepared and educated and diversify a bit more i mean i'm happy i am proud of my skin i'm proud of who i am and i always will be recently i have been encouraging people you know guiding them in the right way to you know take lead from what we are saying um you know don't talk over us but how they can help and it has been useful i mean i've had people inbox me and things and ask me questions and ask for my opinion which i i think means a lot but yeah i'm i'm very proud of my skin i'm proud of my heritage i'm proud of who i am and i wouldn't change who i am for the world black lives do matter So many powerful, insightful, and inspiring stories there. And although there's some crossover, they're all unique in their own way. I think it also shows how this issue isn't really limited to a specific region or location. We'd like to thank everyone that took part in this episode by speaking so candidly and sharing their stories. We truly appreciate this and we know that others will too. As mentioned, if you would like to comment on any of the stories that you've heard within this episode, please use the hashtag, hashtag SNSE on Twitter. To close this week's show, please take in the words of 12-year-old Bailey Nicholl from Wolverhampton. Please also remember to continue the conversation, continue to donate, sign petitions, and continue to elevate and amplify black voices. We still have a long way to go. Over to you, Bailey. Black lives matter. I can't breathe was George Floyd's last three words. I can't breathe, he cried but he just wasn't heard. I can't breathe, I can't breathe. He screamed 11 times. The officer put his knee on his neck, now that's the real crime. Being black is beautiful and it shouldn't define who we are. Deep inside, the racist comments leave a huge scar. It's embarrassing how you can judge someone by the colour of their skin. Then to take their lives, hoping that you will win. Being black is not a crime and it should never be. There is good in black people, but that is something you can't see. We all bleed red blood so we're all the same. So why should things change because of the colour's name? Why should it matter if you are black or why should it matter if you are white? It shouldn't, but it does. So now's the time to make things right. People in this world have gone through so much but racism hasn't gone away. Just think about it, those hundreds of years of it till this day.